Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to the fourth and hopefully final part. I'm, I'm going to try to get through my last five pages here. Um, what I've received is there was a little bit of contradictory information in my email newsletters I've been putting out um, regarding the Ebola protocol. And I went back to Invive and I said, listen, I need to have definitive, concrete, what is the protocol to follow in different stages of the Ebola? Okay, that was, the, that was where the confusion was coming in. Okay, it's important to be precise in all matters of life, but th- this was really super important. So, this was a, um, <clears throat> what I received back from Invive Silver regarding my Ebola questions, because they're, they're truly the experts in dealing with, um, obviously, their product since, been around since 1993, and different various um, diseases and things of that nature. So, now I recommend, well, it's good to print out this section, um, and even the section beforehand. The problem is, is there was a lot of links in the section beforehand, and if you print it out, you're not going to be able to access the links. But it is good information. So, the 10,000 part per million, which is actually listed for Ebola, is mandatory, meaning the correct protocol in a life and death situation where death is imminent. Now, before I say anything here, I have to read you my disclaimer. Okay, this is for FDA purposes, okay? Because I can't claim to cure anything, okay? Only the guys in the white lab coats with the magic prescription pads can do that. So, from an FDA standpoint, I read my disclaimer. It is your constitutional right to educate yourself in the arena of health and medical knowledge, to seek helpful information, and to make use of it for the benefit of you and your family. You are the one responsible for your own health. In order to make decisions in all health matters, you must educate yourself. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Scott Johnson are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medicine. If you have a severe medical condition, see a competent physician. I do not claim to cure disease. My goal is to help you make the physical and nutritional changes in your own body so that your body can heal itself. Now, saying that, this is from Invive Silver, and they say the 10,000 part per million mild silver protein is mandatory, meaning the correct protocol in a life and death situation where death is imminent or within 72 hours. Okay, If you do not think you will die in 72 hours, then take the 5,000 ppm, some Ebola patients die in 48 hours, and some die in 20, 21 days. Okay, so it, it varies. It depends where the state of their immune system is when they contract it. Um, and you're gonna, we're gonna talk a lot about that today. What could, what could um, really influence that? If you are already bleeding from an orifice, then the Ebola has advanced, and you must use the 10,000 ppm now. If you didn't have it, what I would say to do, okay, double up the dosage of the 5,000 ppm. And whatever protocol you fall into that I will cover soon, okay? Ideally, yes, you want 10,000 ppm um, in that type of situation. But, obviously, if you don't have it, then you can use the 5, just double it up. And Vive says, tell your people Ebola can kill within... 48 hours to 21 days, so I, this is the uh, man writing this, says, I myself have three bottles of 10,000 part per million with me whenever I travel. 
Um, that is barely enough, meaning the minimum to attack Ebola if it has advanced into your system. So they should have at least three bottles of 10,000 part per million stockpiled in advance for each adult. Ebola. Um, my protocol. Now I've modified this. I've, I've, I've streamlined this. I, we, we have updated it. Okay. The 5,000 part per million is mentioned here, but in advanced cases, 10,000 part per million will be used. When combating an advancing presentation of Ebola within a subject individual, it is mandatory to maintain a steady state of silver in your bloodstream every four hours, equaling six times per day for adults of 120 pounds and up, but reduced for children via percentage of their body weight in relation to 120 pounds. So I would go down like, you know, if they were 80 pounds, I would I would say, you know, you want to reduce your dosage by like one third to one fourth for every 40 pounds under 120. The updated uh, protocol, okay, for Ebola is, if number one, if you have been or suspect you've been exposed to Ebola, take this dosage. 5,000 ppm, one teaspoon, um, Let's see here. Six times a day, every four hours. Okay. And, okay, so that's if you suspect or if you've been exposed. Let's say, man, I think I got exposed. Okay, no symptoms, no nothing. Okay, you want to do that. 5,000 ppm, six times per day. Or every four hours. Okay. If you are in full-blown Ebola symptoms, going to... No, I'm sorry. I'm going to skip ahead here. If you're starting to display symptoms of Ebola, okay, take this dosage. 10,000 ppm or one teaspoon of the... Uh, one teaspoon of 10,000 parts per million six times per day or every four hours. Now, if you didn't have the 10, you would do 2 teaspoons of the 5,000 part per million 6 times a day or every 4 hours. Hold each dose under the tongue for, I would say, 4 to 5 minutes. If you don't like the taste, and you probably won't because the stuff does not taste good because it's so concentrated, go up on the internet, do a keyword search for N-O-W, organic peppermint oil. Tons of websites sell it. Get yourself um, a bottle of that. It's like a one or two ounce bottle. Get the organic kind and and have that on hand just to, you know, kind of shake it against your finger. Hit your tongue with the, with the peppermint. It's very strong. And then do your dose. Okay, peppermint is also very soothing to the stomach. So if it makes you nauseous because you don't like the taste, then the peppermint will help with that as well. Okay. So that's something you can do to combat that. And it'll help with compliance, especially with children. Just understand, the peppermint oil is very, very strong. It doesn't take a lot. So that's if you're starting to display symptoms, you take that dosage. Okay, so we've covered the first two. And, okay, so now, if you are in full-blown Ebola symptoms, going to terminal, meaning you're, <laughs> you're going to check out here. Let's say you weren't able to get to any of this stuff. And you, whatever, um, 
then this is the dosage you take. 10,000 ppm, one teaspoon every hour. Okay? Obviously, you could also do two teaspoons of the 5,000 part per million every hour. It is crucial, though, like I said, to hold each dose under the tongue for four to five minutes because you want sublingual absorption. You want that under-the-tongue absorption. It gets right into the bloodstream. It's literally, it's the closest thing to literally injecting the silver into you, like running an IV or something. Um, it's, it's the closest thing to that. If you just take the silver and swallow, it goes in your stomach, yeah, you'll absorb it, but it's not going to be as efficient as sublingual absorption. So, bear that in mind. Now, so that, those are the protocols for the, for, that should cover everything for Ebola. Now, I'm going to cover other stuff, though, which will give you a much stronger immune system, and this stuff heavily relates to Ebola. Okay, we've talked about selenium some. Selenium has been found to be almost totally depleted from the soils where Ebola is prevalent in Africa. And has been found to be very helpful in the prevention of Ebola. Um, I recommend, and this stuff works, that innate response formula, selenium, from a whole food source, stuff is amazing. It inhibits viral replication. So any kind of virus you may be battling Okay, any kind of virus. It doesn't matter if it's hep C, herpes, whatever kind of virus you have, you will see big time results. I would generally say you want to do like three per day to start out with for the first, at least the first bottle. Get it into your system, build up the mineral. Think of it this way. If you're running around and your gas tank's on empty for a given trace mineral, it takes a lot more effort to fill the gas tank up than it does to keep it topped off. So I recommend therapeutic dosages initially to get a therapeutic effect, particularly when we're dealing with a whole food supplement that is not going to build up in your body like a synthetic garbage vitamin or inorganic mineral. I'm going to explain more about that in a second. So um, I'm still waiting on my shipment of selenium. I got like a whole bunch of bottles ordered because I sold out of them. And, and um, it's uh, I think that this product is is... Very, very important to have on hand. Not just for Ebola, but for any type of virus, flu virus, whatever, that you could be battling. This is greatly going to... Here's what it, the bottom line. You get this in your system prior to an Ebola outbreak, you're going to be much less prone to contracting it, and if you did contract it, you're going to get through it a lot quicker, and you're going to end up having to take a lot less silver to get on the other side of this thing. The silver is by far the most... In, uh, expensive thing that you know I recommend. It's so concentrated, and they're the only company on earth that really makes a silver that high part per million. But bottom line, I think everybody would agree: the less silver you take, the better. You know, and and because it's from an economical standpoint, and from a um, obviously the less silver you have to take, the less misery you're going to probably be in from a from a wow, I'm not so sick anymore standpoint. Okay, so I believe the selenium is crucial for this. Selenium, uh, there's a there was a report in Ebola and other deadly viruses, including um, HIV virus, which is what they call a retrovirus, might be stimulated by deficiencies in the mineral selenium, meaning they might propagate further. Now, it's not might; I guarantee it. Selenium has a lot to do with viruses. Um, propagating, if you're low in it, 
If you're low in selenium, viruses will propagate in your body at a much greater rate. Zaire, where the Ebola virus and HIV viruses first appeared, may be a viral hot zone because of the low selenium levels in the soil and the widespread selenium deficiencies among the people living off the land. If it's not in the soil, they can't get it in the diet. Um, You say this is too strange to be true. To the contrary, a similar connection has been established in China, where a common virus mutates into a dangerous form when it infects people deficient in selenium. Selenium, an essential mineral, functions as an antioxidant and a component of another antioxidant called glutathione pyridoxase. Um, Deficiencies of either substance impair the body's immune system and the ability to fight fight infections. But in recent research, if recent research is an indication, the role of selenium in disease prevention may be much more profound than previously imagined. It is certainly intriguing that a number of viruses have emerged from these regions in Africa which appear to be selenium deficient. Now, again, I believe that these things like Ebola and uh, HIV were created and they beta tested them in that region. Um, They love to test on African populations and maybe they knew the soil was depleted in selenium and they figured they'd get a better result. Now, selenium also prevents cancer. It's a big one for cancer prevention as well. Here's another report. Low selenium levels lead to a weakened antioxidant defenses, reduced immune surveillance, higher viral replication rates. What does that mean, higher replication? It means it's replicating. It's growing. It interferes with viral replication. Okay? And thus conditions favoring viral mutation. So if it's replicating, it can mutate easier. It can mutate into a stronger form of what it already is. It, selenium inhibits that. It is also known that selenium prevents a number of retroviruses like HIV, Coxsackie, Ebola, Marburg. Now, Marburg was what Ebola originally was really called. It's a slight variation of Ebola. But when Ebola first reared its ugly head back in like the 70s or whatever, in that region in Africa, it was originally called Marburg's disease. Okay. Uh, also inhibits flu viruses from replicating in the host cells. It interferes with the reverse transcription of the viral RNA to viral DNA. It interferes with that viral RNA-DNA replicating process, in other words, thus preventing virus replication. Research shows it prevents the progression of HIV to AIDS. AIDS meaning where you can have HIV, not even feel perfect, feel fine. AIDS is where you start exhibiting all of these symptoms. And, you know, you get emaciated, you get Carposi sarcoma, you have the, you know, the T-cells and all the stuff starts dropping like a rock. So it prevents the progression of HIV to AIDS. Professor uh, Luck Montangier of the Pasteur Institute, one of the discoverers of HIV, states that selenium was currently the most realistic hope for those infected with HIV in the world's impoverished nations of the slowing of the progression of HIV to AIDS. Now, it's not the only thing, but it is a huge um, mineral regarding stopping the progression of these things. Now, another thing. Listen to a report from a medical doctor the other day, and he, he said that, and I've, and again, 
All these things are things I've already listed regarding Ebola and in regarding pandemics. He was swearing by the oregano P73. I think North American Urban Spice makes the best one. They've been around. They've been doing it the longest. they got the most research, as far as I know. Oregano P73. Uh, he was saying that if he went over to an Ebola-stricken co- country and he was trying to prevent from getting it, or he, he knew he was exposed, I think he said I'd do like 15 drops every 15 minutes or something. Uh, if he if he knew he'd been exposed, and I listen, I'm not against that at all. Um, uh, it works a totally different way than the silver works, and I like that because to put all your eggs in one basket and to just say I'm just going to buy the silver, I'm going to do nothing else. What if your own immune system is already devastated because your adrenals are shot and you're low in vitamin C, which has a lot to do with adrenal health. You're low in D3. Your, um, let's say your, your mineral levels are terrible, your zinc, um, your selenium levels are, are garbage, okay? You realize what you're asking of the silver is to take a totally decimated immune system, and despite the decimated immune system, to have the silver do every single thing in the body. It cannot do that. It cannot revamp your adrenal glands. It cannot give you vitamin C. It cannot give you D3. It can't give you zinc. It cannot replenish selenium levels. So please understand, those other things that I just mentioned feed your primary immune system, which has a lot to do with white blood cell production, lymphocytes, basocils, monocytes, these types of things forming, which actually go and attack stuff in your body. The silver will attack stuff independently of the white blood cell productions, the monocytes, the basal, you know, the white blood cells, okay? It'll do that independently. It acts like a secondary immune system. It kills them through an electrical charge called the zeta potential that it imparts to the virus or the bacteria that it encounters, or the candida that it encounters in the bloodstream. But the white blood cells don't work that way. These other things that I mentioned Feed that system. You want both systems, preferably firing on all eight cylinders, to use an automotive um, euphemism or whatever example. Ideally, because if you go into something and you've already got a hale and hearty immune system, you might find that you know, you're able to ward it off and not even have to take the silver. I don't know. The problem is, is if they weaponize this stuff, and if they come out with some form of, like, supercharged Ebola, which they've already said they can do, I mean, they've already got patents, the Ebobun patent, then I don't know what we're dealing with. <laughs> then it's a whole other different deal. So, in that case, you want your own immune system functioning at, you know, as high a level as possible. Primary immune system. So that if you have to then go to plan B and go to the, let's say, worst case scenario, 10,000 part per million silver, you're already going to have a strong immune system. And that would probably be the difference between you surviving and not. Now, I'm not saying God can't protect you from all of this. I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ can't intervene and totally protect you from all this where you're not doing any of this. But particularly building up your primary immune system is just sensible. Okay? Um, I'm not even saying to do the silver. Some people, I do a little bit every week, but I'm not taking it every day. Uh, I'm taking a little bit to keep candida levels down in my bloodstream. It's not the thing that primarily builds up your own immune system. It's a secondary immune system. The things like D3, selenium, vitamin C, 
zinc. Those are the things that tend to build, and calcium is another big one, that tend to build up your own immune system. There's a lot of aspects to the immune system, and I don't want to put it in a box. But this is another thing you could consider, having some of this oregano P73 on hand. Um, I give you my links here to my presentation I did on colloidal silver, mild silver protein. Um, I did the ones I've done on the avian flu. Give you all those. I've been giving these pretty much every week. So these are links you can click on if you like. Uh, now, okay, so let's let's go to the um, next thing here. And this is from a listener. And it was entitled BeforeIt'sNews.com Editor Pick. That he has his editor picks, okay? The story says, do not buy colloidal silver for Ebola. Says it does not work. Buy this instead. Now, a week before that, he ran the story from the Rima Labo lady, the General Stubblebine, the two, for lack of a better word, devils I exposed last week, where they were saying, buy the twenty or ten part per million or whatever it was nano silver. Okay, which I exposed. I exposed their agenda. I exposed them as disinformation agents. What that's meant to do is totally discredit colloidal silver when it doesn't work. When the time comes, because it will not be strong enough, and I don't trust nano silver, nano anything anyway. Okay? Now, so he was advocating that last week as an editor's pick, and now this week he's saying don't buy colloidal silver as his editor's pick story. It does not work. Buy this instead. I'm like, well, make up your mind, dude. You know? Well, my listener says, um, before it's news.com, editor pick story says, do not buy colloidal silver. It does not work. Buy this instead. I think that both the articles were posted there. The one about the 10 part per million nano silver you exposed. And now this other editor's pick story that says not to buy colloidal silver. Either the editor is completely uninformed or intentionally evil and deceitful. And I wonder if they even uh, heard about your dedicated Ebola podcast. And I, I want to be before it's news friend. I, I refuse to deal with them. There's so much new age garbage and leaven commingled with stuff up there. I glean from it, but you have to be very selective about before it's news. Um, anyway, my response. From the report you referenced, his statement, now this is the new one where they're saying don't buy colloidal silver. The statement said, do not rely on colloidal silver. It does not get past the saliva in the stomach. End of quote. Okay, now my response to that. Okay, this statement is actually true if you are talking about the electrically made ionic silver, which is what 95 plus percent of the market is flooded with. Now this is also the kind you make at home via a generator. Okay. But the Invive Silver is a true particulate colloidal silver that does not combine with the chlorides in the stomach or the bloodstream and remains viable. See below for my explanation. Regarding this homemade liposomal synthetic GMO ascorbic acid suggestion, because that was what they said, don't buy the colloidal silver, it's worthless for Ebola. What you need to do is make this vitamin C product in your house. This is the this is the cure for Ebola. Okay? And it, what it boiled down to was a homemade liposomal synthetic GMO ascorbic acid vitamin quote fake vitamin C suggestion. I personally would not touch it. 
and I'm going to explain to you why. See below for the difference between real vitamin C and their synthetic garbage that they are advocating. Now, first things first, the whole accusation about colloidal silver does not get past the stomach or saliva. Colloidal silver does get past the stomach or saliva, but ionic silver doesn't. Okay, so it was a half-truth, what they're saying in there. Actually, it was a totally a lie, because colloidal silver does. But see, people don't differentiate, in a lot of these articles, between colloidal silver and ionic silver. They call it all the same thing. Well, it's not. Okay, so I'm going to explain this here, and this gets a little bit technical. I'm going to go ahead and say this, just for the sake of saying it, and get through it, because it's almost impossible not to do it without making my point here. When you're dealing, this is when you're dealing with an electrically generated silver, whether you're making this at home or whether it's from a factory where they produce it via, via the electrical route, meaning they, they pump electricity or current into silver rods, and they can be 99.999, that's fine, into, into like a deionized or a distilled water mixture. Okay, this is how most, most colloidal silvers are made, whether you made it yourself or whether you get it from a health food store. When electric current passes through silver rods in water, some silver atoms interface with the water and release an electron charging the atom into an ion. Whereas true particulate colloidal silver, like in Vive, is not water-soluble. Silver ions are water-soluble, so the silver ions simply dissolve in the water, producing an ionic silver. This is the electrolysis process of making colloidal silver. It's made through electrical means, in other words. Typically, 90% of the silver leaving the silver rods stays in an ionic form, while about 10% form particles. Meaning, meaning, the particles would be a colloidal silver, but the particle sizes are like all over the board. Some are huge, some are small, and, you know, there's no uniform particle size like Vive has. The ionic solution is very unstable because the solution of silver ions, which is the 90% ion solution, is very unstable because the solution of silver ions is missing an electron, meaning they're going to be unstable. Anything missing an electron in nature is always trying to replace that electron that's missing. That's what free radicals do. Okay? Um, the free radicals created in the body, they're missing an electron in the outer shell, and that's what, when, they, when, they, um, when they're in the body, they seek to stabilize through uh, restoring that electron, and in the process, those free radicals um, are what degenerate our bodies and cause disease and cause us to age and cause bodily systems to break down. Antioxidants quench free radicals. So there's another example of a of an electron missing in, uh, or an atom missing an electron in its outer shell. Okay, so, therefore, they will readily combine with other elements in the bloodstream. And meaning, if you take ionic silver into your body, the kind that's made electrically, okay, you, let's say you hold it in your mouth, well, here, we're going to explain this in detail. The ionic silver is very unstable because the silver ions are missing an electron in the outer shell and therefore will readily combine with other elements in the bloodstream. Or, if you swallow it in the stomach, generally speaking, either way, 
whether you try to absorb it sublingually or swallow the ionic silver into the stomach, you have a useful half-life of approximately 7 seconds before it becomes inert and useless. Also, because ionic silver is so unstable, it has a short shelf life before it will start to precipitate out of solution, meaning it starts to fall to the bottom. It doesn't stay in solution forever. Now, if you've ever made made ionic silver, like with two rods, I've done it before, like before I, I, I knew, I mean, the stuff, it has like, I don't know, two two week to a month shelf life before it starts to fall out of solution. Um, and it'll fall to the bottom of the container, the silver. That is why some unscrupulous manufacturers tell you to shake your bottle because they do not want you to return your ionic silver bottle them to them to refund it. They have very short shelf lives. The Invive Silver has been around since 1993. Okay? There's never been a bottle that they've reported that has went bad yet. Okay, so we're talking 21 years. There's retesting dates on the bottle, and then there's supposed, um, I don't know, I, I don't know if they call it an expiration date. They're, they're purely for FDA purposes. Right now, it's 2027. Okay, no other silver can even remotely touch that. The guy that developed the way to stabilize it, a Dr. Cordeaux, from what I've heard, was actually killed because he did this, because he figured out a way through what they call molar ratios to actually stabilize it. Um, very, very incredibly complicated process. He said the Lord showed him how to do it. It's the only way he could have ever figured it out. It's that, because there's literally millions of possibilities on how to stabilize it. And the higher part per million silver you're using, the harder it is to stabilize, because there's more to keep in solution. So, going further. Um... Some widely available ionic silvers actually have no silver particles at all in them. They're purely ionic. The way the ionic silver producers fool you is that ionic solutions do have effectiveness, well, for seven seconds in the body, and they are effective topically when they are used on the surface of the skin, and they work topically because they cannot combine with the chloride elements in the blood or in the stomach. You have chlorides in the blood, and you have chlorides in the form of hydrochloric chloric acid in the stomach. This is how ionic silver becomes useless in seven seconds in the body. Now, what happens when ionic silver is ingested, as opposed to a true particulate colloidal silver? What's the difference? Okay, here's the difference. Upon sublingual absorption, meaning you hold it under your tongue, ionic silver will combine with the chloride molecules in the bloodstream within seven seconds and quickly be converted into silver chloride, which is an inferior, inert, insoluble form of silver. Now, if you take enough of this stuff, like I've met a couple people, I drink 16 ounces a day, and they're morbidly gray, like the silver man. It's an inert, insoluble, inferior form of silver that will build up in the soft tissues of the skin. They drink 16 ounces a day, and it builds up in the soft tissues, and, you know, they look fresh out of the casket. Met a pastor's wife in Topeka when I did that teaching that night, back in 2006. She was morbidly gray, and she told me she drank 16 ounces every day, but she didn't get sick. 
<laughs> I said, oh, that's optional. I mean, you have that as an option. I still don't think it's going to work near, I mean, in, in any kind of pandemic situation, it's not going to work near as good. You, you've got a 10 part per million ionic silver that is just not strong enough to get the job done. You, you compare 10 parts to 10,000, for instance. Okay. You're dealing with something that's a thousand times stronger in that regard. And you're dealing with something that only has a useful um, life in the in the body of seven seconds once it either hits the bloodstream or the uh, stomach acid. As opposed to true particulate silver that that doesn't happen to. It will keep working and it will keep working. We're going to explain that in a second. This happens because ionic silver is missing an electron in the outer shell, causing it to immediately combine with the chlorides in the blood, rendering the ionic silver useless and inert. Whereas, true colloidal particulate silver will be unaffected by the chlorides in the bloodstream, allowing the colloidal particulate silver to circulate freely to eradicate anything of a viral, bacterial, or fungal origin. Now, upon ingestion, let's say you just swallow the silver, okay? If you swallow ionic silver, it will immediately come in contact with the hydrochloric acid. Remember, hydrochloric chloride acid that exists in the stomach to digest food. Particularly, hydrochloric acid is there to digest proteins. Okay. Once again, the chloride ions from the hydrochloric acid immediately combine with silver ions to form silver chloride, an insoluble inert inferior silver compound. Since hydrochloric acid does not dissolve particulate colloidal, true colloidal silver, that will remain unaffected by stomach acid. This is the difference between the two. The remaining silver particles will pass easily through the lining of the gastrointestinal tract and will be absorbed into the bloodstream where they will circulate and come in contact with pathogens which will be killed on contact through this zeta potential, this imparting of this electrical charge. The silver chloride formed as a byproduct of the ionic silver that precipitates in the stomach consists of large molecules that flocculate to become even larger particles of inert and soluble silver chloride that can build up in your body. Alright, so I got through that. Sorry if that was a little much, but it kind of needed to be said, particularly with people up on the internet saying, just take your 10 part per million generator silver and that's all you need for Ebola. Or... Take your 10 part per million nano silver. Oh, man. When we want to rely on that stuff in a pandemic-type scenario for the reasons I just mentioned. Now, so what was their solution in this article where they said, don't buy colloidal silver, it's stupid and dumb, and it's no good. Make this blanket statement. Doesn't get past the saliva or the, um, or the stomach. Okay, we just debunked that. Okay, we clarified and debunked that. What was their solution? Well, their solution was to rely on a synthetic GMO ascorbic acid homemade concoction you make in a um, uh, ultrasonic jewelry cleaner. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay, they highlighted this in this original report at this website. I, I, I even give you the link to it. Okay, they give you this to and it's to battle Ebola. Now. I would consider this pretty risky considering I've never seen anything that would corroborate this. I will check into the statement. And this is what I tried to do. The statement in the article after they said don't buy colloidal silver is, here is what Ebola does that is fatal. It causes the complete removal of all vitamin C from the body. 
Now, I'm not disputing this part. Um, but I want to give you the proper answer if this is the case. And I'll be honest, I think they make a very, very potentially strong point. And I'm going to explain to you later, and I'm going to prove to you later in this report why I'm saying that. And again, that's why this is important to glean from things. Okay, because if I were just to not read past the first line and say, oh, they're just saying colloidal silver's garbage, all colloidal silver, lumping it all into the same category, okay, well, is there something that they're actually able to offer me, though, from a knowledge perspective regarding Ebola? We know about the selenium, we know about the mild silver protein, we know about the oregano P73, I think those are three very, very good things you could have on hand. Not just for that, but for any type of pandemic, but particularly a viral pandemic. Now this. Ebola causes complete removal of all vitamin C in the body? Hmm. No one actually knows what mechanism is involved in doing this. Do you know we can't store vitamin C? Animals can. We can't. Do you know where the little amount of vitamin C that we have um, is, is, is targeted to? The adrenal glands. These little um, tiny glands that sit on top of the kidneys. That have a lot to do with your well-being. Which really has a lot to do with how you feel mentally. People that drink a lot of caffeinated products, coffee, smoking, high-stress jobs... Lack of sleep, you're going to have burned out adrenals, okay? Typically, most of the time. People that drink coffee by the pot, people that that, um, have, well, and I'm not saying this is always the cause for low energy, but somebody that's really attracted to caffeinated products, you can almost guarantee that that um, their adrenals are shot. One of the ways you can check your own adrenals without having to go to the doctor is do what they call a Raglan's test. You lay yourself down, you get calm, you lay yourself down, you take your blood pressure. And then, preferably one of the electric ones where, you know, you can do it right away. Take your blood pressure, maybe take it a couple times, get baseline. Stand that person up, take it again immediately. The blood pressure should increase when they stand up. That is due to the adrenal glands secreting things like epipenephrine and these things, which will naturally cause the blood pressure to rise because now your body, your heart has to pump blood from the bottom of your feet to the top of your head. It has to raise the blood pressure about five points, five to ten points more in order to ensure there's enough blood flow into the head so you don't pass out. If the adrenal, if you stand a person up and they get dizzy, or let's say that's your, your common your common thing. Oh man, I get so dizzy when I stand up out of a chair or if I get up out of bed. Well, your adrenals are shot, most likely. Um, your blood pressure is not compensating. If your blood pressure stays the same or, let's say, God forbid, it drops, the more it drops, the more your adrenals are burned out. And um, there's no drug in the world that's going to really help that, other than maybe giving yourself a shot of adrenaline, which isn't really practical every time you stand up. You know, a little shot of adrenaline right in the heart every time you stand up. Hey, you know, what's what's the big deal? You know, it's a little inconvenience right into the heart muscle through the chest cavity. 
you know, through the ribs. It's no big deal. Anyway, a um, little humor there. That's a, that's a sure sign. Now, guess what? Your adrenals are totally dependent on vitamin C in your diet for their well-being. They're also dependent on salt. There's other things, too. Your adrenals do a lot of stuff. Okay? But two of the main things adrenal the adrenal glands need are vitamin C and salt. Good salt. Okay? Like that Himalayan pink salt is really good. Not the garbage iodized synthetic salt they've heated to 1200 degrees, which literally melts the sodium and the chloride molecule together. That's not the kind you want. Um, and I don't really like sea salt anymore because the oceans are so polluted. I like that pink Himalayan salt. It's got all the minerals in it and they mine it from underground where it hasn't been contaminated. I think, now, it's outrageously expensive, but, you know, I think that's the way to go. Those are two of the most important things for adrenal health. Vitamin C. I have a product called Drenamin, which, which has a little bit of the vitamin C. There's also certain fractions of the B complex that are important for adrenal health. And it has a little bit of the natural vitamin C and a little bit of the natural fractions of the, of the B complex and um, an, an adrenal glandular that actually helps to rebuild it. But um, vitamin C can also have a profound effect. I just put Taylor back on... Um, that C complete powder that we have from an eight. And I mean, instantly she was, she'd been run down. She has, um, got a new, got a job and, and very, really high stress kind of where she's working. And, and she's just, was just stressed out, almost going to depression and instantly she's like a new person. I mean, it was like within a half hour. Now she responds really super quick. Because I brought her up on organic stuff, never been vaccinated, stuff like that. Okay, so she responds super, super fast to stuff if she needs it. And um, in the wild, it's 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 interesting. Um, in areas north where, because we have to have vitamin C to live, Eskimos when they would go out and hunt, and they would kill something like a caribou or whatever. The first thing that they would do is when they skinned the animal, they would go to where the kidneys were and they would go to those little glands on top of the kidneys, take those out, slice them up and literally pass them around to the people in the group. And they would eat them. They're eating the adrenal glands of the caribou. Why? I guess instinctively they knew that was the only place they were going to find vitamin C because animals can store vitamin C in the body. Humans can't. That was how they would get vitamin C over the long winter months when they didn't have access to vitamin C. And I think that might be one of the reasons why also Eskimos have a higher suicide rate. The more you go north and the more it's darker all the time, you get into that seasonal affective disorder, your pineal gland gets all messed up, your adrenals get all shot, you're not getting enough vitamin C. They're not out on the, on the, on the uh, ice anymore butchering caribou in the middle of winter for the most part, cutting up their adrenal glands, ha- passing them out most likely. They have the highest suicide rates you can imagine in those little uh, Eskimo outposts up in Alaska and stuff where they're totally dependent on the white man for all, it's like a welfare state, you know, so they're not getting this anymore, and then the suicide rates are horrific up there, in fact, it's like the Lord just clued me into that, 
Vitamin C has a lot to do with your well-being. has a ton to do with your immune system. I almost get chills when I read this because they're saying that that, that the Ebola depletes all the C out of the body. Now, there's a lot of strong indicators because of the way Ebola works where I would tend to believe that. We're going to get into that. I'm running out of time, but I'm going to try to get into it. All the research, supposedly, they're saying in this article, all the researchers know, all the researchers, I mean, I think that's a blanket garbage statement, but they're saying all the researchers know is that vitamin C drops to zero and all the symptoms of of Ebola consist with a complete loss of vitamin C. Uh, And all the symptoms of Ebola are consistent with a complete loss of vitamin C. True. Very, very true. That's why I stood up and took notice when I read this. I said, that makes sense from a physiological standpoint of what vitamin C does in the body, because I've just scratched the surface. That makes sense. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. How do I know this? A doctor who has remained anonymous and has worked with Ebola victims has discovered this and sent it to his website. The problem is it's an anonymous doctor. So you kind of have a raised eyebrow, but then again, there's a lot of corroborating evidence to suggest that this is very, very true, what they're saying. Has worked with Ebola victims and has discovered this and sent it to a website. At last check, this, this, at last check, this cannot be Googled, which confirms this doctor did not just copy and paste this. So he's saying, post this everywhere, get this out there. The treatment for Ebola, which will prevent death, is known, and this is an emergency request for my readers to spread this info and stop this Ebola attack in its tracks. The problem is, is his solution is a total garbage solution. Okay? He is, he is advocating you buy ascorbic acid crystals and take an ultrasonic jewelry cleaner and coat them with soybean lecithin, GMO soybean lecithin. He's not specifying any difference, okay? Ascorbic acid, here's the problem. Ascorbic acid is derived from corn. It's derived from GMO corn. Ascorbic acid is not vitamin C, and we're going to get into that. Soybean lecithin, soy being one of the worst things you can put in your body, and it's all GMO soy. So you got GMO corn making the, the ascorbic acid, GMO, genetically modified organism soy, one of the worst things you can put in your body, coating it. And this is the solution to the Ebola thing. Sorry. My comment, but again, we are supposedly have one anonymous doctor who said this with no way to verify. I always advocated whole food vitamin C and was one of the products I mentioned in my last study regarding Ebola. But to just totally rely on that one product, I believe, would still be very risky considering how aggressive Ebola is. And that's where the, the miles of a protein, I think, would, would come in. Especially if they've weaponized the Ebola. And it's even more virulent. Common ingredients derived from GMO risk, uh, GMO risk crops. Here's common ingredients. Amino acids, aspartame, NutraSweet. It's also called Neotame now, I believe. Ascorbic acid. Sodium ascorbic. Vitamin C. Well, they call vitamin C ascorbic acid and ascorbic acid vitamin C. It's not either, but this is what they call it. Citric acid. Sodium citrate. Ethanol. Flavorings such as natural and artificial. High fructose corn syrup. Hydrolysized vegetable protein, which is a common ingredient in a lot of foods. Um, Lactic acid, maltodextrins, molasses. That's why I tell people, try to get organic whenever you can buy it. Monosodium glutamate, 
soybean lecithin. So the two, literally, the lecithin and the ascorbic acid that they're advocating in this whiz-bang liposomal vitamin C cure are both derived from GMO crops. It would be almost impossible to find these these things in a non-GMO form. Soy lecithin. You could probably do it with lecithin, but not soybean. I don't know how you could do it with ascorbic acid. Sucrose. Texture vegetable protein, or TVP. Xanthan gum, vitamins, and yeast products. A lot of these are derived from GMO. A lot of vitamins are derived from GMO. Hey, get your Flintstones chewables. It's all GMO garbage. Your Geritol, your, your Centrum Silver, your whatever. It's all GMO garbage. They're selling. They're not going to sell you something that's really going to help you. They're going to sell you something that's going to kill you. These are big. This is big pharma putting this garbage out pretty much. Or derivations of it. They don't want you to be healthy. You're going to have to work to be healthy in today's day and age. They're going to try to trick you every way they can. The typical orange has about 5 milligrams of ascorbic acid, which is commonly referred to as vitamin C, but it's not. We're going to see that. Whereas some authorities today advocate taking as much as 20,000 milligrams of ascorbic acid, which is GMO. You know what they say to do? They say, take it to intestinal tolerance. You know what that means? That's when you start getting diarrhea back off. Because your body is trying to get rid of this garbage so quick, this GMO ascorbic acid, that it's like, I'm going to create diarrhea because that's the quickest way I can get it out of my body other than vomiting it up. That's why when you get diarrhea, your body's doing it for a reason. It's been poisoned in some way, shape, or form, and it's like, okay, I'm going to throw a whole bunch of water into the intestinal tract and get this garbage out of me. But see, that's how these authorities say to take ascorbic acid. How could this discrepancy be reconciled? Nowhere in the history of mankind has anyone ever consumed these kinds of concentrated, isolated, synthetic, GMO nutrients, not to mention in the sheer quantities that they are being advocated. If an orange, okay, God created an orange to have 5 milligrams of ascorbic acid. No, we need 20,000 milligrams God doesn't know what he's doing, obviously. No, he does. He does things in balance. That's why if you get like the C that I that I advocate, or if you get a whole food C, you're not going to see a lot of ascorbic acid on the label. Because C is a complex. And ascorbic acid is just the outer protective antioxidant layer of it. And the ascorbic acid manufactured in this country is synthetic or elsewhere, and it's not natural like the way it would naturally occur in nature. Cancer cells have numerous receptor sites for synthetic vitamin C or ascorbic acid, making the vitamin C act as a growth tonic for cancer cells. Vitamin C meaning ascorbic acid. Well, hold on, I thought that there's this whole whiz-bang IV thing you do with the vitamin C and ascorbic acid that gets rid of cancer. Well, I don't know, this is Professor Brian Scott Peskin. He says cancer cells have numerous receptor sites for synthetic vitamin C. Might the pharmaceutical lobby be being advocating maybe this stuff in secret so that they can discredit vitamin C, just like if they're advocating the nanosilver for the next plague so that they can discredit all colloidal silver? Do you think Satan might do something like that? I think he would. So let's go further. Another danger 
<coughs> excuse me, inherent to crystalline pure megavitamin usage is the consumption of ascorbic acid, the so-called vitamin C that is recklessly but usually unknowingly prescribed by a pseudo-nutritional pharmacologists who have little, if any, realistic training in this important field. Ascorbic acid is not vitamin C. Ascorbic acid is a fraction of the biologically utilizable vitamin C complex that occurs in nature the way God put it here. Most all ascorbic acid is sold synthetically, produced from corn sugar, um, which, again, from corn, and it's GMO corn, okay? And even though it's synthetically manufactured, it is called natural and organic because corn is found in nature. Oh, wow, so they can call it natural. Technically, anything with a carbon atom can be called organic. There's all kind of ways around, particularly the natural labels, where you really run into problems. The terms natural and organic are totally meaningless to a certain extent. I mean, if it's certified organic, okay, that's what you about the, about the best you're going to hope for but natural means nothing this article alerts the general public to the fact that as little as 1500 milligrams of ascorbic acid taken daily depletes blood copper leading to serious health problems you jeopardize your important fight or flight stress response by depletion of copper hey that's another thing the adrenals need copper huh and that's another thing actually in true natural vitamin c we're going to see that in a second just 500 milligrams of ascorbic acid with three meals can do just that. And yet, this is whatever they say to take, ascorbic acid. So what they put in any kind of fortified cereal, any kind of fortified food, they're using ascorbic acid. It's garbage, okay? It's way worse for you than it would be if you hadn't have taken it. The late Dr. Albert Svent Gorgi in America officially discovered vitamin C in 1937. Dr. Gorgi, who received the Nobel Prize for his vitamin C work, stated that just an isolated ascorbic acid, he had not found the anti-scurvy factor of the C complex. Okay, what does that mean? Scurvy. They used to get it on the ships, okay? And, and they were dying, it was, it, was, it was vitamin C deficiency. They weren't getting any vitamin C in these long voyages on these ships. This is why they started putting in, like, barrels of... Um, of citrus fruits on the ships. I believe that's why they called the, the sailors in the England limeys, because they, they ate limes to get their vitamin C. Okay, it was a citrus fruit. All right? Now, um, when they started doing that on the ships, all of a sudden scurvy disappeared. Why? Because scurvy is a vitamin D defici- or vitamin C deficiency. The word ascorbate <coughs> means anti-scurvy, but that's mislabeled. Because it's not the ascorbic acid that's preventing scurvy, it's the whole C-complex. The symptoms of clinical scurvy include swollen joints, muscular aches, bone pain, edema, weakness, fatigue, anemia, loose teeth, hyperkeratosis, impaired wound healing. Behavioral changes may include apathy, depression. Remember what I just said before? You can become depressed. If your adrenals are shot, you're going to be depressed. Okay, emotional disturbances, weakening of the walls of the blood vessels. That's why you get bleeding gums from it. Isn't that what Ebola does? Isn't Ebola cause you to bleed out every orifice? Huh, I wonder if there's any connection. Huh, we're going to look at that more in a second. Weakening of the walls of the blood vessels, particularly the bioflavonoid complex part of the vitamin C, that's what will cause, like if you brush your teeth and you, you get bloody gums, from well, that's a very high l- likelihood you're low in bioflavonoids slash vitamin C. 
Okay, the whole C complex. Ocular hemorrhages. Isn't that what occurs in scurvy? You start bleeding out of your eyes? Yeah. Huh. Bruising. Wasn't that bleeding internally? Like you bruise easily? Yeah, somebody hits you, and normally you wouldn't bleed under the skin, but you do because you have capillary fragility because you're low in vitamin C. Yeah, and, and if, you, if you bruise easily, that's a sign you're low in bioflavonoids slash vitamin C. Okay? Varicosities of the small blood vessels. I guess varicose veins can even be a sign of it. Um, subclinical vitamin C deficiency may exist in a large segment of the population and can lead to impaired health and increased susceptibility to diseases. With isolated ascorbic acid from Hungarian red pepper, meaning they were able to isolate ascorbic acid before they made the synthetic garbage, from Hungarian red pepper, he could not stop the capillary, he could not stop the capillary hemorrhaging so characteristic of scurvy. This is Svent Gorgi the Nobel Prize winner who did his research in vitamin C, okay, back in 1937. He couldn't stop it with ascorbic acid. He could not stop capillary hemorrhaging. So he went back to the laboratory and discovered vitamin P, which is the rooting factor of the C complex. This is more where we're getting into the bioflavonoids. This is where we're getting into the whole package of the C complex, This vitamin P, which they don't call it that anymore, they basically call it vitamin bioflavonoids, exists more in buckwheat, grain, and leaf than in citrus. That's why, like, if you take, like, if I prescribe Cyruta Plus from Standard Process for bleeding gums, the main ingredients are buckwheat, leaf, and the seed. Because it's high in these bioflavonoids. Okay? Which is probably the best thing you can do for somebody that has bleeding gums. Or that they bruise easily. It also could have an effect on your adrenals as well, in a positive way. Vitamin C is a very misunderstood vitamin. The government is responsible for this because they have decided that you rate any vitamin C product according to the amount of, of ascorbic acid it contains. Well, the government knows all, right? Well, sure. So whatever the, the ascorbic acid is, that's what the vitamin C is. No, it's not. It's not even close. Ascorbic acid is an antioxidant. It is the preservative protective part of the C-complex molecule. To refine out or to synthesize the preservative is a mistake. The real vitamin C-complex contains the P-factors, which maintain the vascular integrity, like the bioflavonoids, the P-factors. These are the people who who bruise easily and who have a pink toothbrush because they're bleeding when they brush their teeth. My comment... This is how this could help Ebola. Their blood vessels break too easy and they bleed. The P factors strengthen the vascular system. They make the vessels tougher and more durable. The vitamin K is another part of the C complex. It promotes prothrombin. That means it helps in coagulation of the blood clotting. That's another thing with Ebola. Your blood don't clot. You bleed out of every orifice. You have capillary fragility. Bleeders do not have enough vitamin K as well. It's what helps you create platelets. It also has a lot to do with bone density and health. When I look at the C-complex molecule, which I give you you the picture of here, what it looks like, ascorbic acid is on the outside of it. Okay? It's the protective part. 
Then inside the little package, this is the functional architecture of the C complex. This is going to be on page like, I don't know, 16 or 17 of the PDF. On, this, on the inside complex of the C complex, you have ascorbogen, you have bioflavonoid complexes, you have tyranase, which we'll get into in a second, that's the organic copper. You have P factors, which we mentioned. You have the K factors, the vitamin K factors, and you also have J factors, which have um, to do with, um, I believe, some of the B complex factors of the C complex. If Ebola causes total depletion of vitamin C, the vitamin C complex in the body, this would make total sense. Because the blood vessels would, if you were low in the C complex, your blood vessels would break too easily and bleed. Um, you uh, wouldn't be able to clot your blood. You wouldn't be able to make prothrombin. Prothrombin, sorry. Um, you wouldn't be able to clot blood. You would be bleeding. You would, I mean, everything. In, so when they say that this is a total depletion of vitamin C in the body, that's what Ebola causes. Listen, I would have no problem believing that whatsoever. It has to be a component of Ebola. It, it has to. Because if you look at the action of vitamin C in the body, the whole C complex, this makes total sense. And then also what it does for your immune system. Another factor in the C complex are the J factors. The J factor is part of the C complex which increases the oxygen carrying capacity of the blood. And remember, a lot of this is the blood, and that's what Ebola seems to like really you know, have its focus on. If you have a cold, you want to get oxygen to your tissues where it oxidizes the toxins and carries them off as carbon dioxide and water. In addition to these C-complexes, it contains enzymes, the outstanding one being tyranase, which we mentioned. That's an organic copper, an adrenal activator. If you want to rate vitamin C according to one thing, it would be logical to rate the amount of tyranase that it has. All these factors are important for reasons mentioned. In addition to all of these factors, the C complex also contains ascorbic acid on the outside. But to say that ascorbic acid is vitamin C, which we've been brainwashed into believing that by the good old FDA, that is like looking at a steering wheel and calling it an automobile. It is just a small part of the automobile, but it is not the automobile. Okay? Our body, the body doesn't want synthetic GMO ascorbic acid. It wants the C-complex being preserved by the natural ascorbic acid like it occurs in nature. Once in the body, the body sheds the ascorbic acid, which is the preservative wrapper, the way you shed the peel of an orange um, or a banana peel. And it takes the rest of the C-complex and places it as a lance of the lymphocyte. What does that mean? A lance, like a lance, like a knight would take a lance into battle and joust. Okay, the lymphocyte is a is a part of the white blood cell complex that attacks foreign invaders. This would be like arming your lymphocytes, okay, your white blood cells and things of this nature with with um, weapons, okay, and it kills bacteria with it. A lymphocyte unarmed with the C-complex will fail in its function. It will be impotent. It won't be able to destroy infectious organisms. Lymphocyte potency is dependent on the, on the copper, the tyranase that we mentioned in the C-complex, which is the core trace mineral of tyranase.
which is part of the C-complex. The reason one gets any relief from taking ascorbic acid, so you could just have people say, I don't care what you say, I know ascorbic acids help me. I don't care what you say, you're wrong. I don't care if it's GMO, I don't care. Okay? You could have somebody say that. The reason one gets any relief from taking ascorbic acid is that the ascorbic acid lowers the pH to the acid side of the pH scale. It acidifies the body, creating an unfavorable medium of growth for pathogenic bacteria. Well, what do you mean? What about all that alkalizer dye stuff? What about all of the alkaline water that we're supposed to be drinking? Well, you know what? That's garbage. Because from a physiological standpoint, I'm going to give you this in a second. Um... Acidifying the body creates an unfavorable medium of growth for pathogenic bacteria. Well, that's not what I've been taught. Do you realize that whole alkalize or dye garbage, the whole alkaline water thing, is totally something that's happened in like the last 15 to 20 years? And I trust me, I went that route. I bought the water alkalizers. I bought the alkalizing drops. I did all that garbage. It didn't help me a bit, okay? It did literally nothing, which I guess I should feel fortunate. Well, that it didn't make me even worse. I'm a very, I have a very alkaline system as it is. Okay, and I think that's why I've been prone as from my immune system to getting sick for as long as I have. Because I'm naturally very, very alkaline. I don't know why, but I am. I do a pH tester on my tongue and I mean, it's like up into the dark purples, you know. So, <laughs> I went that route, okay. It doesn't, for me, it sure didn't work, okay. And I'm talking about from a physiological standpoint. Let's look at that. Acting in this way, ascorbic acid is not producing a vitamin effect. I mean, these are the people that get would, would have saw any benefit. It's not acting as a vitamin, but rather an acidifying effect, much like apple cider vinegar would do. You get the book Vermont Folk Medicine by D.C. Jarvis. And he goes through all of these examples of up in Vermont where they've used apple cider vinegar, which is an acidifying agent for hundreds of years in order to ward off colds and to preserve their health and do this. Well, it's an acidifier. That flies in the face of alkalizer dye or drinking alkaline water. Well, yeah, but this is tried and true and tested. What are you going to believe? The fly in the, the uh, fly-by-night uh, uh, flavor of the week thing about alkaline water and alkalizer dye? Or are you going to believe something that's been done for hundreds of years? Most infectious pathogenic bacteria thrive in an alkaline pH. Did you know that? The following bacteria are all well-known enemies of modern science's war on bacterial infection. And they grew optimally in an alkaline media of 7.4 or above. What were they? Staphylococcus or staph infection, streptococcus, strep float, pneumococcus, or pneumonia, H. fluenza, the flu, meningiococcus, meningitis, corobacterium diphtheria, which is diphtheria, clostridium tetani, or tetanus, and others. They thrive in an alkaline environment. If you took ascorbic acid and you felt better, this is the reason you felt better. It wasn't because you were getting true vitamin C complex, because there was none in there. It's a synthetic GMO garbage, but you did acidify the body, and that in and of itself can be enough for your immune system to feel better and do better. 
Hopefully that makes sense. Excess quantities of the so-called vitamin C can reduce the pH of the urine to as low as 4. This is ascorbic acid. Okay? And it causes the precipitation of large quantities of urates, increasing the incidence of kidney stones. So a lot of people that are on high ascorbic acid, guess what? I wonder why I got kidney stones. Because of the the um, precipitation of urates in the urine from the ascorbic acid causing kidney stones. It appears that excessive dose, doses of ascorbic acid interfere also with purine metabolism, increasing the risk of gout. Because gout is high purines. Gout is high uric acid in the bloodstream, or high purines, and that's what causes gout. Um, all of these things have natural remedies for. Okay, Gout, kidney stones, all that. There is some evidence that high doses of ascorbic acid reduce fertility in some women as well. Large doses of ascorbic acid and synthetic vitamin E, because all synthetic vitamins are bad, are undesirable as they may reduce the availability of vitamin A. Ascorbic acid increases the intestinal peristalsis and may produce diarrhea, especially if you take it in large quantities because the body's trying to get rid of it, like I said before. This laxative action, along with its acidifying effect, may be the only benefit ascorbic acid has against a cold. Because it's, it's literally, your body's trying to get rid of a poison, so it's going to have diarrhea, and you're acidifying your body, so it would help in a cold from that regard. <laughs> but it's like, not the way you want to go about it at all. You know? <coughs> this um, C400 that I have, it never produces diarrhea. You, I mean, I don't even know a dosage you, you'd have to take for it to produce diarrhea. Because the body wants it. It doesn't want the ascorbic acid. It senses it's a mild poison. High doses of the so-called vitamin C is popularly used in home remedies for the common cold destroys substantial amounts of also B12, which has a lot to do with energy production. Ascorbic acid in quantities in excess of half a gram will destroy 50% to 95% of B12 content in food. Megadoses of phony vitamin C may also produce B12 deficiency by destroying the cobalamins during transport through the digestive tract and possibly also in the tissues. No further discussion should need, need to be established. Uh, the lack of wisdom leading to or taking to prescribing of ascorbic acid. Oh man, I'm almost out of time. Apple cider vinegar is 5% malic acid, a col natural colorless crystalline acid normally found in the body. It can be taken with water during meals and is much less expensive than ascorbic acid, and it also acidifies the guts so you'll digest food better, particularly proteins. And it does a better job in lower doses at acidifying the body without causing the rebounding deficiencies that ascorbic acid produces. Ascorbic acid has long been recognized as a contributing factor in tyrannase or copper depletion. In the book, New Dynamics of Preventative Medicine, 1974 Nobel Prize winner Linus Pauling, the supposed modern-day guru of vitamin C, who unfortunately only used ascorbic acid, is quoted as saying, what is called rose hips vitamin C is the same pure crystalline ascorbic acid with a pinch of rose hips powder added. It is almost impossible to buy ascorbic acid from a natural source. He continues that the rose hip, meaning a rose hips would be like, oh, it's natural. Let's put some rose hips in with the ascorbic acid, and we can call it natural. Rose hips and ascleroberious ascorbic acid is from the same barrel at Hoffman LaRoche Chemical Company as the others, but 
this has a pinch of rosehip powder. So they'll have this little pinch of something natural in the the vat of chemically made garbage GMO ascorbic acid, and they'll say, "See, it's good for you. It, it's it's natural." No, it, it doesn't work that way. Okay, nowhere in his the history of mankind has man ever ate ascorbic ascorbic acid by like the spoonful. It's not natural, and this is synthetic GMO ascorbic acid. So now this is straight from the most renowned vitamin C researcher ever known after Stent Gorgi. Now, the original report that was saying, saying this is the cure for Ebola claims that the GMO ascorbic acid coated with GMO soybean lecithin, it reads, by coating the ascorbic acid with lecithin using a cheap ultrasonic jewelry cleaner, you can increase the absorption into the body of the cells, in, uh, into the body um, of the vitamin C by 500%. This is supposedly called liposomal vitamin C. Though This is good. I want to take my GMO ascorbic acid and my GMO soy lecithin, mix it together in a cheap ultrasonic jewelry cleaner and make sure I increase absorption by 500% so I can cure my Ebola. Does anybody see a problem here? <laughs> okay, so anyway, let's go further. I said, my comment, sorry, I will pass on this wonderful, quote, Ebola cure. But let's glean from this source and combine what we have just read to know what true natural vitamin C could be a real major factor in fighting off Ebola and a host of other things, especially when considering uh, Ebola's chief action of fatality is causing the blood vessels to rupture throughout the body where you bleed out of every orifice. And again, that's one of the main signs of like a scurvy type disease. The vitamin C that I recommend, um, in, again, this is the only true whole food source I know that's this complete. I know there may be other ones out there. This is the one I like, I use, I use it every day. I'm, this is the main thing I do for my immune system, the C400 by an 8. Um, it has more of an effect on my immune system, and here's somebody that has a weak one, than any other product that I take, okay? Um... The vitamin C400, it only comes in 180 tablet bottles now. I don't know why they eliminated the 90. They've made some dumb mistakes at Nate as far as I'm concerned regarding sizes. But it's 180 count. It's 400 milligrams of food state vitamin C. Um, It's a blend of orange, wild blueberry, and cranberry. Um, It's... um, also, a thousand, uh, really 400 milligrams of vitamin C, the C complex derived from oranges. Also has wild blueberry, cranberry. It has also a food blend of organic parsley, organic carrot, organic beetroot. And then it has other immune blends in it. Um, organic broccoli, beta-glucans, glutathione, trace minerals, probiotics, enzymes, so you can digest it, peptides, um, amino acids, branched chain. All of this stuff is in there to help it to act as like an immune system booster and to help absorb, um, increased function. And then you have the C-Complete powder, which is what I just gave Taylor. Unique gentle powder, vitamin C formula, food state vitamin C paired with mineral ascorbates for op- optimal absorption. Great tasting formula. Uh, it really does taste awesome. Uh, phenolic rich food blend high in antioxidants and bioflavonoids. Um, this has the vitamin C, ascorbic acid, magnesium ascorbate, potassium ascorbate, um, all mixed in a food state vitamin C base. Okay, uh, It has hesperidin, quiseritin, and rutin, which are those bioflavonoid family that we just mentioned. Okay, Anti-inflammatory bioflavonoid 
family. And then it also adds this in, 500 milligrams of organic acerola berry. This is a natural form of vitamin C as well. Camo camo berry, which is another one that you've heard, probably heard online. Camo camo is another natural source of vitamin C. I like not putting all your eggs in one basket. And this is what they do. Organic amala fruit, another source, and organic cranberry and organic goji berry. That's in the powder. And the people that have ordered the powder, you know, have raved about it and, and the tablets. So those are those are the two I recommend. I'm not saying there, there might not be other great ones out there. Um, those are just the ones I've used, and I know that they, they work really well. Um, and um, if you're... If you're interested in that, just, you can email me. Um, you might be able to find them online. I don't know. I get mixed results when I people ask me about that. Um, they're professional line, and typically you have to order them from some type of healthcare professional, but I save you all the hassle of the going through the consultation process and all that other garbage because I feel like I've already given you a consult. If you've heard my teachings, I've already given you that. So um, I'm just about out of time here. Let's just say I'm just going to be able to have a quick prayer here before we run out of time. Um, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. I thank you for all your goodness, all your mercy, Lord, that you've bestowed upon us. I pray, God, that you use this information for your glory. Ultimately, Lord, that, that the body of Christ would be protected and that many would be saved as a result of um, your righteous efforts through us. Um, I do pray you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us and that... Um, wherever your word or your truth is being preached worldwide, God, that you would bless that, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. And we thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.